Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new week of Fantasy NBA Today. It's All-Star Weeks. Maybe I should have said welcome to a new week's of Fantasy NBA Today. I don't know. It doesn't really matter what I said there. Same show coming up either way. I'm Dan Vespers. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. SportsEthos.com is the website. Ethos Fantasy BK is the news feed. That is uh, 14 followers away from 11,000 over there on the Ethos Fantasy BK news feed. Uh, I am at Dan Vespers, somewhere in the 21,000 range, which continues to boggle my mind. It just makes me want to do more and more and more because the obsession is very real. Uh, I have my voice, but for how long? Tis the question. My younger son uh, woke up like nine times in the middle of the night yesterday, moaning. Said his throat hurt, said his tummy hurt. We don't know what the hell's going on. He's three. Three-year-olds don't really know how to triangulate their pain, but I have a sneaking suspicion that whatever he's got, it'll be mine in Two days, so get ready for debilitated Dan again on Wednesday. But you know what? We'll enjoy the voice while we've got it. Please do follow me over on social if you're watching on Twitter, and like half of you are when these shows start, which, you know, shout out to the uh, the live feed over there. Please do remember to throw a follow on things. If you're watching, listening after the fact, whatever, or live over on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it turns out to be, I beg of you all, please take a moment to hit a like button on something, anything that floats your way that has anything to do with this podcast. Share, subscribe. That's still the single biggest thing you can do to help grow the show is that hit, hit that subscription button. Uh, but again, whatever you guys can do would be delightful. Um, what else was I going to talk about before we got things going? I don't think there's a whole lot. News of the day. We'll get to that. We're going to cover all the teams. So, you know, plenty of there will be plenty of time for those shenanigans. Um, yeah, I didn't sleep that much either as a result of uh, of my kid being awake a thousand times in the middle of the night. So this is this is going to be fits and starts, I think, on today's show. I also need to, as I'm looking at myself on the screen, probably deal with uh, some facial hair overgrowth. But you know what? There's a time and a place for all that, and it's not right now, because i got to get a shout-out to you guys. In the midst of all of this stuff, uh, my wife is also on a very early rotation at the hospital. A um, couple weeks every year, she trains uh, neurology residents, and they start at like 7.30 in the morning instead of everybody else that starts at 8.30 or 9. So she's out of here. i got double kid duty until if I can get them to school. They're not sick. Uh, so everything's going to be on kind of a weird schedule. That's what I wanted. To, that's the thing that I was trying to remember. I just wanted to warn all of you, I don't know when the shows are going to drop this week and next week. It's going to be weird. I'm going to try to get some weekend shows slipped in. Those uh, have actually been a really big hit lately. Some of the biggest listenership of any of our shows has been these these weird off one-off weekend editions. So uh, we'll keep trying to get that going. As far as today goes, we've got a couple things on the docket. Uh, number one is a weekend review. And number two is the preview, which is a bigger deal than, I think, many weeks because it's All-Star break time. All-Star break starts uh, on 
Friday of this week. A couple teams actually do play on Thursday. There's like three games, I think, on uh, on Thursday. Some of that stuff is makeup related uh, because the Warriors, remember, had some games canceled due to the tragic death of their assistant coach. Um, so you have a slight imbalance on the card, and as a result, the Warriors have uh, a very a robust schedule this week. They are a six-gamer over the All-Star weeks, and I believe that they're the only team that has six now. There were There's plenty of teams. There's a, a number of teams that have five, but the Warriors have that that one game advantage. So we'll, we'll get into some of that stuff towards the end of the show. Uh, how you also want to be judicious with your moves. Cause you got to stretch four moves out over two weeks in Yahoo leagues now. So you don't want to go blowing them all at the front end, blowing them all on hats. But I want to talk about the weekend's games first. That's where we start. I want to reset our brains for anybody that's been, you know, in a Super Bowl haze, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care about football, but uh, Super Bowl is always nice because, you know, get together with friends and loved ones and all that stuff. Uh, let's start with the very narrow Sunday card. Just two games yesterday, pre-Super Bowl action. They sort of got them out of the way. Boston beat Miami 110-106. Nothing, of all, nothing at all of note on the Boston side, but Miami had some notes. And again, for those that are watching live, you can see all the the injury marks on the screen as we scroll through the the basketball monster box score page first of all jimmy butler who's out at least two days that was uh, two games excuse me that was some of the news that broke this morning he's on a leave of absence due to a death in the family so we wish all the best to jimmy butler and the uh, the butler clan uh but he will be presumably out to the all-star break miami's got games tuesday and wednesday and then they're off and they only have one game on the back-end week of All-Star break. So this is a brutal week to have a heat. So on the head-to-head side, I don't know that there's a whole lot you're going to do with this Tuesday-Wednesday back-to-back. That feels like sort of a wasted move because you're going to have to abandon ship on any heat streamers in head-to-head because of how awful their schedule is on the other side of the break and also the possibility that some of this injury stuff works itself out on the other side of the break. Because it wasn't just Butler. Josh Richardson dislocated his shoulder seven minutes into yesterday's ballgame. He's out for a few weeks. Terry Rozier uh, had some knee stuff, and he left halfway through. And he'll be out for probably the all-star break. I don't know if maybe back on the other side. Roto, on the other hand, because you're not beholden to your weekly roster moves, you do have a little bit more that you can do. Cade Lamartin at 15-8 with three threes in yesterday's ballgame. He's been starting, but there hasn't been a whole lot of stuff for him to do. Jaime Jaquez got the start for Jimmy Butler, Jr., excuse me. He had six points and three boards in 29 minutes, so that was sort of disappointing. Uh, Duncan Robinson played 33 minutes off the bench and had 15 points and three three-pointers. Haywood uh, Highsmith had two and three. Um, so there. We know Bam Adebayo, we know Tyler Hero are going to be starting. Hero and Adebayo are the easy choices. Presumably, Martin and Haquez will continue to start, and then we're just looking for somebody to replace Terry Rozier. Will that be Duncan Robinson? I don't know. We'll know by tomorrow. But as we've learned before, if Duncan Robinson is in the starting lineup for the Heat, he's fantasy startable. That's kind of been his thing. Basically a guarantee that he's going to get about 25 to 34 minutes. And in that amount of time, he'll hit generally, generally, again, small sample size stuff here, generally enough three-pointers 
to make himself worthwhile, and he's been a little bit better in other facets of his game this year. He's done a little bit of other stuff besides just posting up at three-point land and waiting for somebody to hit him with a pass. Do I start Caleb Martin on the Roto side? Uh, sort of comes and goes with the breeze. Same story for Haquez, who does seem like he's kind of petered out after that uh, vicious run he had earlier in the season. If all three of those guys are starting, if that's the way, if that's the direction the Heat go Tuesday, Wednesday, there's a real chance that all three of them end up with fantasy value. Remember before when Butler and Hero were out for a long stretch, the Heat had like three guys that stepped into replacement level stuff. Hero's still in there though, as is Adebayo. So, you know, from a usage standpoint, Rozier being out, he his usage was kind of medium anyway. Butler obviously had a lot. So, yeah, I mean, you're putting stuff back in the bucket, but you kind of need to make sure you're getting the guy who's going to take it. And that, when he's starting, is usually Duncan Robinson. So that's probably the direction I would lean if I was going to do anything on the Roto side. Again, head-to-head because their schedule's such dog-do, you probably just leave it all alone. Thunder smoke the heat. Or uh, the Kings, excuse me. I'm sorry, guys. I really didn't sleep all that well. I'm going to say the wrong word a few times, and then I'll correct myself. You guys know where I'm going. The Thunder are uh, extraordinarily not interesting from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, they've got three guys that are great fantasy players, but nothing ever really changes. Lou Dort had his once-a-month hot game. You can ignore it. I don't know how many times I have to tell you Josh Giddy is not a guy that needs to be rostered, but I'll say it again. Kings are the one you'd pay a little bit more attention to. And, you know, they went to sort of whatever lineup could get him involved. It was a Davion Mitchell-focused comeback, if you can call it that, in this one. They cut a 20-point lead down to about eight at one point. So Mitchell had a better ball game. Ignore. Malik Monk has been hot lately. Makes a lot more sense in head-to-head than he does in Roto uh, because of those ups and downs for Monk. He's on a heater right now. So, yeah, you could play him in both, but you also don't want to use up a bad game on a games cap where with head to head it's like oh okay i guess you know now he's cooling back off again i'm gonna hold on to kevin herter just for one maybe two more ball games this one was sort of blowout related they used different lineups that got him back into the game so herter didn't play as much as he normally would um but again you know and i and i tweeted this last night i don't know if you guys all of you not all of you but many of you have listened to this pod long enough to remember when i used to talk about the marvin thad line the Marvin Thad line, for those uninitiated, is a uh, it's a theorem that which that states that certain players need thirty minutes to have fantasy value. There are certain guys that just sort of need to be out there long enough to have value. They can't do it in less than that. And Kevin Herter probably fits into that. The Marvin Thad line. He's got to be above the Marvin Marvin Thad line. This is named after Marvin Williams and Thad Young. This was before Thad turned himself into uh, Thagic Johnson towards the end of his career, as they've been calling him, and and now he's just too old to matter. But back when in the, sort of the middles of their careers, it was just they needed to be on the court. They needed to hang out long enough to have value, and Herder needs 30 minutes. This game was weird. I think you can probably dump the box to a certain degree. If it happens another time, then we probably move on. A lot of games happened on Saturday, and I did a show on Sunday morning because of how many games happened on Saturday. So I don't want to rehash everything we talked about uh, on that specialty show that uh, that we did yesterday, but we'll certainly go through some of it. Oklahoma City got blown out by Dallas. You can ignore the Thunder side. The um, the Mavericks side was interesting because Maxi Kleba continued to get the start at center with no Derek Lively. 
even though Daniel Gafford's in town. Gafford had 19-9 and with a block in 17 minutes. Hard to rack up stats much faster than that. Uh, but that's the beauty of Daniel Gafford. He was top 30 player. He was a third rounder in Washington in 26, 27 minutes of ball game. His numbers are going to trend up uh, as he learns the playbook, as he learns the defenses, all that good stuff. I expect Gafford actually at some point this year to maybe even take over and just sort of run that starting job. Yeah, they've got different sort of mix and match combos that'll be a little bit annoying for him because Lively comes back. He's sort of the higher flying guy. Kleba's more of the floor spacing type. And Dallas will go to different looks, but I I believe still that Gafford is the guy they want to wedge into what they're doing. So very much a hold. P.J. Washington played 24 minutes. Yes, that's more than Gafford in his debut, but I am much more further down on P.J. than I am on Gafford. That's just because of how fantasy numbers are calculated. Washington's a low percentages guy who, yeah, he can get you some counting stats, but usually not an overwhelmingly large number of them. He needed 13, 14 shots in Charlotte to post consistent value, and I don't see him getting anywhere near that number in Dallas. So I think he trends towards a drop if he might not be one already. Detroit! Simona Fontecchio. Detroit debut. And it went well. 20 points, 9 rebounds, a steal, and 3 three-pointers on 19 shots. Second highest usage on the team behind Jaden Ivey. He was basically in a deadlock with Cade Cunningham, who had more assists. So Cade, I think, overall, uh, the higher usage rate. But still crazy to see Fontecchio just step in and do all of that. This is like a no-mercy, no-remorse kind of start to his Pistons tenure. I don't know what happens when Isaiah Stewart comes back. I don't know what happens when Quentin Grimes gets healthy because there probably isn't enough minutes for all of those guys. Troy Brown Jr. played 19. Suppose he could end up getting very little. Mike Muscala got 10. So as those guys come back, maybe you could sort of take those 29 minutes and just completely take them away from those dudes. And then, I don't know, does James Wiseman continue to play? Does Shake Milton get any more time? Is Marcus Sasser being phased out? I guess you could sort of find minutes for Grimes there. I am genuinely concerned, though, that when Stewart and Grimes come back, they're just going to be too many mouths on this Pistons team for any one of those guys to really move above the others. In the interim, Fontecchio looks like an ad. 20 points and 9 boards on 32 minutes is, is pretty awesome. We know he can hit threes. We know he can get some steals. Not a ton, but some. This was a very high number of field goal attempts that likely comes down. This will probably be one of his better games as a Piston, frankly. But they ran him like 18 straight minutes, and it's possible he just starts the next ball game for Muscala. So I'm going to add Fontecchio. If I have to move on in a week or two, I move on in a week or two. I don't think that's the end of the world, but I'm adding him now. Uh, as is the case for Asar Thompson, who also, I think, belongs on rosters. 10-8-5 with a couple of steals. We know he can play on the defensive side. We know he can rebound. Uh, he's not going to ever have the energy he had to start the season. You guys remember when he was just going crazy in rebounds and defensive stats. But they're going to eventually just have to shoehorn minutes to Thompson because he's part of their future. And he makes them competitive defensively in a way that not all the guys do on this team. So I think he just gets to play. But again, like we're going to run into this logjam stuff with Grimes and with Stewart, and you know maybe he doesn't get to do enough. And I said, leading up to the trade deadline, I thought uh, Sar Thompson would be more of a silly season guy, so more of a March 
he gets to go crazy. But there's perhaps a little bit of a bump here while two guys that are probably going to get to play some minutes are out. So there's the bump. Those guys come back. It'll probably take a dip. And then at some point, they're just going to be like, all right, young buck, go do it. I don't have many thoughts on the Clippers. Norman Powell got his head blasted open partway through this game, but uh, that doesn't really change anything. You got Zubots, who uh, didn't get to do much here. The Clippers went small, but overall he'll usually play normal minutes, and then you got the three superstars, and that's it. Spurs! Who cares? Trey Jones is a hold, by the way. Bad game for Trey, but he's a hold. Uh, Jeremy Sohan has been trending down after his hot stretch. Don't say I didn't warn you. Um, the thing is, like, Guys don't really change their stripes. It was cool to see Sohan playing better for a couple of weeks, but these things have a way of disappearing. And he's outside the top 250 over the last three weeks again. I don't know. I don't know what more I need to tell you guys. If he goes on another heater, you sell high. If you can get anything at all, that's the direction you go. Brooklyn's cut kind of an interesting spot. Dennis Schroeder made his debut, and he looked great. 27 minutes. 15 points, 12 assists, three threes is not a sustainable number. The scoring, well, not 12 assists, but the scoring and a decent chunk of assists is sustainable. I think he probably profiles as like between 90 and 130, which is what you'd kind of call fringe 12 team if he's in the middle to back half of that and a little more reliably 12 teamy if he's in the front half of that. For that reason, I think Schroeder's an ad at least to kind of see how this goes. I don't know if I'm using him against a Roto Games cap in Brooklyn's next ball game, but I don't think you're going to really lose out by playing him on the head-to-head side. Keep an eye on Dennis Smith Jr. Probably not an ad, but you never know. Uh, Cam Johnson is out already, so nothing large changes for the next one. But remember, when he comes back, he'll slot it at 25 to 31 minutes. And where do those come from? Jalen Wilson, probably... Do we see Dorian Finney-Smith get ramped up or ramped down? Does Ben Simmons continue to get additional minutes? There are a lot of questions in Brooklyn that could end up creating, you know, another logjam. Or maybe they just enjoy each other more. I don't know. Spencer Dinwiddie was not getting along with the program there. It just, it wasn't working. And, uh... He's gone, and so there probably will be a little bit of a, of a clubhouse bump. That's not to say that Spencer's not a good clubhouse guy. There just was something amiss in Brooklyn. These pieces didn't, they didn't coexist right. Ah, uh, Ben Simmons. You guys all probably want to know what I want to do with him, and I, I still think he's probably going to be a bigger headache than he's worth. He had a good ball game here with five defensive stats, but that actually was a very low number earlier this season. I don't know that it's just going to magically get itself turned around. Head-to-head, he's going to be taking a lot of games off. The low minutes mean that it's going to be hard to sustain great production every ball game until he gets ramped up. If you want to pick him up and stash him on the roto side, if you're sort of in a punt points build or punt free throw and punt points, that would be a weird combo, but yeah, who knows? Uh, not that weird, I guess, if you're kind of big man heavy. Then Ben Simmons fits the build a little bit better, and you know if you're looking for the stats he's better at, you could spot play him on the roto side. I just I can't imagine that he's going to be someone you can use reliably in head-to-head. What do I know? Charlotte beat Memphis in the uh, relegation battle 2024. Uh, John Conchar had a really nice ball game. 
and I am seriously considering adding him on the roto side because he's good at boards, steals, blocks, field goal percent, usually hits a three-pointer, didn't get one here, and uh, typically gets a few assists also. I don't think anybody's about to cut in line, though, to take him away from you, so you can sit on that for as long as you need to, and the Grizzlies are such a dumpster fire of a team that it's like, what? You know, what What are we even doing here? Jaron Jackson Jr., Vince Williams Jr., those guys are the easy starts. I think Salty Aldama still deserves a roster spot. I am, and I'll, it's the same, th- I like, I don't know how many times I can repeat myself. If he puts up last year's percentages over this kind of silly season run, he will be a solid fantasy value. If he puts up this year's percentages, which right now is 43 and 60, he won't be. It's as simple as that. He needs to be last year's Aldama with additional juice, basically, from playing alongside nobody. But I'm holding him because the dude got 32 and a half minutes and 14 shots, and that should, again, if the percentages are not a complete and epic disaster, which they were in this ballgame, that would be enough. So I'll hold Aldama. Starting JJJ and Vince Williams in Roto. Head-to-head, obviously, anybody that you're holding, you're starting, because more daily leagues. GG Jackson is intriguing, but probably more tips more towards points league because of the likely field goal percent issues. And then, uh, what did we just say about Conchar? Kind of teetering on the brink of being a Roto start. Head-to-head, a little tougher, but again, like people overlook the categories he's better at, and so he could actually make sense on that side. Charlotte. All right. Uh, oh boy. Uh, what do we do with the Charlotte Hornets? Well, Trey Mann got 27 minutes in his Hornets debut. Remember, there's still no LaMelo Ball for this team. But that's really only the, the, the one lone big piece that they're sitting on still. Nick Richards uh, gave up a dozen center minutes to red-hot Davis Bertans. The weirdness continues. All right, look, so Miles Bridges, Brandon Miller, these guys are obvious stars. Nick Richards is going to be kind of like a fringy, you know, third center kind of play. Cody Martin I don't trust as far as I can throw him. His fantasy game is uh, bad. Bad percentages, and you got to be way too good in the other stuff to counterbalance that. And it's a little bit of what I'm afraid of with uh, both... um, Misich and Mann is can the percentages be can they can they be decent enough? It's the same Santi Aldama discussion we had. Can they be good enough to support an ad if the other stuff is only okay? Uh, I would be probably more willing to take a flyer on Mann just because he's starting. But then, like if if Lamelo comes back, is he the guy that goes to the bench? I don't maybe. Is it Cody Martin? Uh, it's probably man. There's a lot that's still hanging in the balance. Uh, head-to-head, I think you add man. Roto, I'm not. Michich, uh, I'm not adding in any format yet. Watch list him. Grant Williams, you can watch list. He got 32 minutes and hit some three-pointers and got some rebounds. His fantasy game is a little bit light outside of threes. So I don't think you need to go down that path. And then Richards is sort of a borderline hold. And that's where I'm at with the Hornets right now. But I'll admit, that could change today. They're the early game. They're hosting the Pacers. That's like the first tip on the card tonight. 
And we might have a whole bunch more information on them by halftime, honestly. Before we get to Charlotte, Orlando, I want to remind everybody of a few things going on because we've got a bunch more live viewers, and that usually means that people are starting to flock in and the algorithm is doing its thing. Uh, please do go find me over on social at Dan Bespris if you haven't already, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Take a moment, please, also to hit the subscribe button, however you're taking in the podcast. And if you're watching it on or listening to it on some format where you can like or rate the show, please do that as well. These things do end up mattering in not only the long run, but the short term. If you guys are hitting the like button on the show right now, that actually helps it fall into other people's, you know, whatever you want to call it, the the suggested videos stuff on YouTube or Twitter or whatever. So hit like, hit subscribe, find me on social, do all that stuff right now in the middle of the pod. It actually does help us uh, because it just finds its way into more things. And mid-show reminder to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com as I hold this handyman upside down next to my face. This is the actual electric razor, not a sideburn trimmer. This is where you go if you want to get yourself looking actually clean, not just a beard. I love it, man. This is like, it's so easy to use, and I made it so that I could just pop this thing open on today's show. I came prepared. Here's the handyman. Small. I have small hands, too, so if it looks large, it's because I have uh, little childlike appendages. Um, and the, the end, boop, comes right off like that, reveals it. Here, listen. Ah, there we go. There we go. Oh, no. Did I just take off part of my beard on air? I might have. Here we go. Oh, there we go. That's nice. All right, took out the cheeks. Those stray cheek hairs are such a pain. Get a handyman and get it for 20% off with free shipping by using our code ethos two zero. At manscaped.com, Ethos20 is the promo code over there again. That gets you 20% off and uh, free shipping. Chicago at Orlando. The poor Bulls, they haven't made a trade deadline deal in three seasons. And they're just, they're languishing, man. I would absolutely hate to be a Bulls fan. I feel very bad, and maybe I shouldn't pity, but they're just so married to relative mediocrity. It's it's so frustrating, because they could have blown this thing up. They could have gotten a truck full of stuff for Alex Caruso. A truck full. I don't know. Could you get as much for DeMar because the contract is bigger, eh, and Vooch has a few years left? They could have gotten the world for Alex Caruso, and they didn't do it because they're just bent on making the play-in tournament. So stupid. Uh, Andre Drummond had four fouls in this ballgame early. And so whatever we were trying to learn about whether or not they were willing to go to a big boy lineup, we didn't really learn in this game. That meant more Io Sumu. He got 39 minutes. This game went to overtime, by the way. Uh, so if you're wondering about the, the Vooch playing 43 and Kobe White playing 45, DeRozan 44, it's not because their coach is completely insane. It's because there were five extra minutes. So, yes, the fantasy lines were bigger than usual, but uh, this was more the the Bulls from, you know, three games back or two games back even, which was just start the starters. They played extra Drummond in one of those games in there, and if you picked up Drummond after that one, which I did in one or two spots, I think you wait and find out how he looks in a game where he's not in foul trouble. And hold on to Io, too. Not that that needed to be said, I don't think. Jonathan Isaac, 25 minutes for Jonathan Isaac in yesterday's ballgame. And that 
is not a reason to pick him up in head-to-head because his minutes are going to be very low in back-to-backs. He's going to get intermittent days off. One would assume, yes, they're trying to get him into back-to-backs now. He played, I believe, in their most recent one, but he only had eight minutes in the second half of that back-to-back. That was uh, January 29th. In February, he's played 2021. 10, 19, and then 25 minutes. And I believe this 25-minute game was the highest minute total for Isaac this year. Yes, confirmed. It's higher than any minute total he played last year. He didn't play the two seasons before that. So this 25-minute game for Jonathan Isaac was the highest minute total he's had since December 30th, 2019. Which I really probably should tweet that. That's a ridiculous stat. Most minutes he's played since December 30th, 2019 in a regular season game. Yeah, in any kind of game. Wow. I didn't think I was going to have to go back that far, but lo and behold. And not surprisingly, when Jonathan Isaac gets 20 plus minutes, he's a fantasy juggernaut. I don't know you guys remember what he was doing that year before he uh, blew out half of his body, which is sort of the Jonathan Isaac special. Uh, in 2019-2020, COVID year, uh, no, I know what you're thinking. He did not miss that season because of uh, COVID or any sort of vaccine stuff. He missed it because he, he exploded. His leg exploded again, which is just always the case. But prior to that, he was number 17 in nine cat leagues, 29 minutes a game, 12.7 boards, 1.6 steals, 2.3 blocks, a three-pointer, 47-78 were the, were the splits. Uh, if he put that same lineup right now, he wouldn't be quite as high because fantasy numbers have just gone insane in the last four, or really two years, frankly. Uh, but those lines, 12 and 7 with almost four defensive stats, that's still a top 25 guy. Now, is there any chance at all Jonathan Isaac averages 29 minutes the rest of this year or, frankly, at any point the rest of his career? I doubt it, but he makes that team, whatever you think about him as a human being or like brittleness of body, he will make any team he's playing for better when he's on the court because he's one of the most gifted defensive players in the NBA and he's a floor spacer on offense. I have zero faith that he comes out and plays 25 minutes again in the next ball game. But they did have two game two days off, uh two days off. I can speak. And they'll play again tomorrow. So they didn't play Sunday, they don't play today. He's only 6% rostered, largely because in head-to-head leagues he's going to be way bigger headache than he's worth. But I picked him up in 3 roto leagues, 3 of them. Because if there's a magical mystical universe where a goat playing a loot is wandering through the the forest and he tells you to pick up Jonathan Isaac. You kind of got to do it. Because what if we got to play the what if game on, on Isaac? What if the stars align, sorcery happens, and he actually plays consistently mid-20s and minutes for any length of time? you would absolutely positively need to be on that because his defensive stats are nearly unmatched in the NBA when he gets normal minutes like Matisse Thibel, Anthony Davis. There, there's just, you can count on Wembenyama. You can count on one hand 
the guys who can do that, his type of defensive stuff in both steals and blocks. Those players are extraordinarily rare. Anthony Davis, I guess you're basically talking about like who could get you one steal and two blocks. What did I just say Jonathan Isaac got back in 2019? I don't think that was one and two. That was... Come on, Dan, you can figure this out. What the hell did you just say? It was only a few minutes ago. Uh, it was 1-2, and 1.6 and 2.3. The number of players in the NBA that can get you over one steal and over two blocks is, you know, l- less than one hand's worth. AD is at 1.2 and 2.4. Wemby's at 1.1 and 3. And pretty sure that's it, unless Brook Lopez is at one block or one steal, which I don't think he is. Right? Any sub one steal? Where are you, Brolo? What the hell are you at right now? Brooke Lopez steals uh, 0.6. So, oh, Daniel Gafford, oddly enough, one steal, 2.1 blocks. Daniel Gafford this year gets the nod. But listen, like, you almost don't have to do anything else. Daniel Gafford is at 11 points and eight boards, good field goal percent, one steal, two blocks. He's number 32 this year. Anthony Davis, not surprisingly, top four. Wemby, top 12. And yeah, those guys do a lot of other stuff. But like, if Jonathan Isaac plays mid-20s in minutes, he's probably not doing one steal in two blocks. But one and one and a half is actually within striking distance. And I want to barf as I'm saying it, because we know he's going to play two weeks and then drop metaphorically dead again. We know it. We know his body. But what if it didn't? It's the mystery box. But this is why you can't do it on head-to-head. You just, like, you can't get on that roller coaster. It'll break you. Roto, you can get on that roller coaster. Because you put him on your bench, you you can wait a week, two weeks, whatever you want. I mean, honestly, this game coming out of a two days off is probably your best chance to deploy him. Overtime, whatever. Like, you just throw him out there and you're like, come on, 21 minutes. Anything better than that is gravy. So, yeah, Jonathan Isaac. Throw him on your roto bench. See what happens. Cole Anthony got 30 minutes. That came out of nowhere. And I move along because I don't care. Philly beat Washington 119-113. Tobias Harris is questionable for the next ball game, uh, dealing with a hip injury. Maxi was back from an illness, so that's good. Buddy Heald is cruising. Paul Reed is fine. Start him. Start both of those guys. Start Ubre. Start Maxi. Start Harris if he plays. Uh, Kyle Lowry is signing with the Sixers, and, I mean, he'll play a little bit. I don't think he's going to play a ton. Uh, but they don't really have a point guard right now. They didn't really need one when they could run their offense through Embiid and through Maxi. uh, but now Embiid is down, so he he might need a point guard a little bit. DeAnthony Melton, they're hoping to get back before the All-Star break, which, not many opportunities left for that. I think Philly's got two games here going into the break. Yeah, today and Wednesday. So hopefully we get Melton back for one of those. His role will be small as his body gets re-loosened up. I don't think they want to risk him getting hurt. The, the Philly right now is is looking towards the finish line. They're the five seed, two and a half games up on the play-in tournament, uh, but two and eight in their last ten. So, like, it's not panic time, but it's not that far off for the Sixers. They need these guys back, but they can't risk destroying them on the way, if that makes sense. I added DeAnthony Melton as kind of a stash. He got dropped in some spots. I get it. Like, teams need healthy bodies. Um, he'll have plenty to do when his minutes ramp up. I'm not going to pick up Kyle Lowry. 
For the Wizards, Marvin Bagley played only 15 minutes in his return from injury as the starting center, and I feel like this is a worst-case scenario in this ballgame. Nice thing is, he's getting dropped in a bunch of spots, which means, uh, for those of us who have a little bit of patience, we can at least kind of see this thing through a tiny bit. Um, His roster ship went down back to 40. It had gotten, I think, as high as like 46 or 47 at one point. And if he's bad again, then you'll really see him get dumped. But it also is worth pointing out that the Wizards went small in this game. Kuzma and Avdia were basically the power forward center combination in some uh, form or fashion. And they it was fine because the Wizard or the Sixers didn't have anybody that could punish them inside. Paul Reed is not gonna punish you inside. And Philly went small to counter it. That's not gonna happen every ball game. Let's see, who the hell the Wizards play next? They got Dallas. Uh, look at that. They get to play their old buddy. I don't I don't think Washington can go super small in that game. They might try to, to see if they can stick with Luka or Kyrie and just switch everything. But then you're going to have Kleba, Gafford. Well, I mean, Gafford's going to be dunking all over his old team if the Wizards go ultra small. And then maybe they do have to go a little bit bigger. And then they've got the Pelicans. That's a gigantic team. No way the Wizards could go small in that one. So I think we're going to get some Bagley... They've got uh, Jokic coming out of the break. They've got, well, OKC, so I don't know what the hell they'll do with Chet. But then they've got Cleveland, like the biggest front court in the NBA. So at some point, I think they're going to have to say, all right, Marvin, like we just, we need your size out there. Go figure it out. I'm going to hold him a little bit longer. Funny, I mean, the silly thing is I'm arguing for a guy whose fantasy game I absolutely detest. But I do think that if he plays 30 minutes, he's a play. Corey Kispert finally cooled off. If you had picked him up to stream, probably just hold a game longer. Um, Avdia looks like he's a actually a pretty good size winner from the Daniel Gafford trade because he is now basically the backup center on that team. And Tyus Jones not getting traded. Oh, righty. That's good stuff. Boy, we had all braced ourselves for Tyus Jones to turn into a full-blown pumpkin, and instead he had a giant game, and he's now inside the top 60. Yay! I was worried, man. I was real worried. And st- they could still shut him down in the next, you know, six, seven weeks or something like that. But uh, not getting traded bought us a lot more good, basically. And then Koulibaly, who I've said a thousand times, I don't think his fantasy game really translates. If he reliably takes like a dozen shots, he might be able to get there. But I don't see him reliably taking a dozen shots. Houston was down a few guys for this one. This was kind of a throwaway for them, and the Hawks got very lucky to catch the Rockets uh, in a game where they didn't have their two most important players. The Rockets have lost four games in a row. They're now the 12 seed, two and a half games back of the Jazz. Things trending the wrong way. Health, certainly a problem. Uh, no Freddie Van Vliet, no Alperin Shengun for this ballgame. Amen Thompson. Got a double-double in a fill-in start for Van Vliet. You can start him as long as Freddie's out and just hope the percentages don't bust you. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. is a play with two high-usage guys on the pine. Dylan Brooks is probably a play. His shooting shot him right out of the ballgame in this one, but if he's going to take 19 shots, he's fantasy startable. Same general story for Jalen Green. You just sort of, like, plug your nose, close your eyes, hold your breath, and hope that he doesn't break you. But he did have a triple-double in a horribly inefficient ball game. And then Jeff Green got the started center. I mean, how could his body even handle that? And it was pretty good, actually. Nah, I'm not going to use a Jeff Green roto 
game, but you know, if we find out that Shangun needs any more time off, you could maybe lean that direction in head to head. Eh. Eh. Shangun's questionable, so this might just be a non issue. But something to think about. Keep it on the front of your mind. For the Hawks, uh, Sadiq Bey, after being ice cold the whole year, I mentioned it on our shows at the end of last week also, he was having one of the worst shooting stretches of his life, which either meant, one, he just was not good anymore, or two, at some point it was going to level off, and you're seeing some of the leveling now. He's been a much better shooter over his last two to three ball games in particular. He's pushed himself up to number 114 in 9-cat, and even though I think at some point he trends towards a drop as this team gets healthy, Right now, they're not still. Still no Capella. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is still getting back-to-backs off. Uh, he's, his minutes are still very much held in check. And DeJounte Murray played in this ballgame, but he missed the previous one. So you can still hold Sadiq Bey a little bit longer. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Jalen Johnson is awesome. And uh, that's the only thing you need to know about that. Indiana. Uh... You know, I have like one very small eyeball on whether or not anybody steps into the Buddy Heald role, and it just it doesn't look like it. Andrew Nemhard playing minutes, but his fantasy game requires a lot of usage to get there, so nah. Nah. Tyrese Halliburton's back up to 30 minutes again. Hopefully we all bought low during that very narrow window where they were like, oh, indefinite you know, minutes cap. Fart sound effect. Nope, we knew that wasn't going to last long. Uh, Aaron E. Smith is a hold. This is a quieter ball game, but generally he's been pretty good. For the Knicks, we're just kind of waiting to see how the pieces fall. Isaiah Hardenstein uh, upgraded to questionable recently. Um, so if he plays, that obviously takes Taj Gibson basically back out of the rotation. It will take some minutes away from Achua who was forced to play some center here, but I don't... I mean, he'll still get at probably high 30s. But it does allow the Knicks a little more freedom. They don't necessarily have to go to Achua at power forward. They could play Boyan Bogdanovich there if they needed to. Um, Dante DiVincenzo, Boyan Bogdanovich, Josh Hart, Alec Burks, Precious Achua, these guys are all going to be kind of vying for the same two to three buckets right now. And the good news is that two to three buckets, call it three buckets, is probably enough for Achua, Hart, and DiVincenzo to still have fantasy value. And maybe Bogdanovich, probably not Burke, so I know he had a big ball game here, but only 22 minutes makes me think that's not really a sustainable number. Bogdanovich at least got 33 minutes, and that probably doesn't come down down when Hartenstein comes back if anything his probably stay relatively consistent so I'm holding Achua obviously you're holding Brunson you're holding Hartenstein because he's good uh you're holding Hart you're holding DiVincenzo you're probably gonna end up dropping Burks Bogdanovich I think I have to coin a term here and just call him a temp hold which is I think he's probably gonna be a drop because he needs a lot of shots because of kind of a weak fantasy profile. And I don't think he's going to get them. But if ever there were a moment he could, it's while Ananobi and Randall are still out. So temp hold on Boyan Bogdanovich. Cleveland, can anybody score on the Cavaliers is actually the big question here. I called Max Struess probably a drop, and then he was like, stick it in your eye, Dan. And he put up 14 and 7 assists on 55% shooting with two threes. Well, 
you know, sorry, Max. He's number 112 overall, and he's going like two bad games, one good game, two good games, one bad game kind of thing. And it's frankly, it's hard to know if he's an everyday guy right now. Uh, some of it's because the Cavaliers are blowing out everybody they play. Some of it is because his usage is inconsistent. And so it's all a big, fat question mark. I think Strews probably profiles more as a high-end schedule play. Head-to-head, he probably, you can just keep using him. His defense has been very good this year. Uh, he's not really hurting you a ton other than field goal percent. So if you're punting that, this makes the decision a lot easier. Uh, Roto, I'm trying to hold him still, but it's hard to know when to deploy him. I still think Karis LeVert is going to end up a drop. The minutes trending down. He's not going to shoot 75% every ball game. Darius Garland is a buy low right now. 11-8 and eight in this ball game. He's been pretty bad, frankly, since he came back from his jaw injury. At some point, he's going to get to do a little bit more. The Cavs are on a vicious tear right now, and so nobody wants to upset the apple cart. But as soon as they cool off a little, and they will at some point, they're not going to win 95% of their games the rest of the season, then you'll probably see Garland start to take a little bit more back from the main bucket. Kelly Olenek, 11-6-3, four defensive stats and a three-pointer in 22 minutes in his Raptors debut. I said on the show over the weekend that I think he has to be a speculative ad. I don't exactly know where the other three-ish minutes we need him to get are going to come from, because Pirtle only played 21 in this one anyway. But I just want to wait and find out, and I want to wait with him on my team. Because even if all he gets is 20 minutes, we know Olenek can put up some decent fantasy numbers. So no matter your format, I think you can spec-add Kelly Olenek, play him in head-to-head, roll you, keep him on your bench while we see how this thing shakes out. Gary Trent, yeah, you can call him a temp hold also. I don't think he's going to end up having enough to do, but listen, this ballgame got out of hand. He was not part of a unit that was making a little bit of a run, and even if he was, he wasn't taking any shots. Uh, so I think Trent probably ends up as a drop. R.J. Barrett, the cool-down is going to come. You've been warned, and that's kind of it for Toronto. Steph, game winner time for Golden State. That was pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet stuff. Uh, for Phoenix, you're holding Grayson Allen. I know it wasn't a big ball game here, but he's still a huge, huge part of what they do. Royce O'Neal only played 11 minutes in his son's debut. I think that probably trends up. But if my guess is correct, it will be more at the expense of guys like Joshua Kogi and Eric Gordon. I think they really like what Grayson Allen brings most of the time with that that starting unit, uh, so he probably sticks it. For the Warriors, Gary Payton is back. I think this ultimately hurts everybody a little bit. Clay Thompson was the guy who kind of lost out in this ballgame. Hang on to Clay. Uh, Jonathan Kamingo remains a sell high. If you can get someone top 60, you do it. Like This was a very empty ballgame for him and the kind of stuff we were more worried about happening. Plenty of points. Took the most second most shots on the team behind Steph, but that other stuff we we know is leveling off at some point. So let's see. Let's make it simple. Hold Draymond Green. Uh, hold Andrew Wiggins right now. Hold Pajemski. Hold Kaminga. Sell high. Uh, I'm going to skip over anybody. Hold Clay. And for Gary Payton, just kind of keep an eye on what he does to the other guys more than what he actually does himself. Pelicans beat the Blazers in a game where I looked at the final score and I thought maybe they had just ended it after three quarters. Trey Murphy had one of his big explosion games. Herb Jones was actually good too. And you're like, Dan, you said they couldn't coexist. Well, they did in this one largely because Zion was out. So they both got to start and they both got starters minutes. That was useful. 
I don't know what I, if I would play them if it happened again, even. Because we've seen games with Zion out where they still weren't particularly good. Uh, but they were the only two guys reliably making shots outside of Jonas Valanciunas, so they got to sort of do a little bit more. If Herb Jones got, goes on a warm shooting run, he'd be an ad in all formats. I just We've seen Trey Murphy bounce back and forth from a consistency standpoint a lot. You're kind of just watching to see if these guys get hot. That's what a lot of streamer-level guys are. Stream while warm. If they get warm, you make the move. I think you could wait another game and find out. And then for the Blazers, uh, Malcolm Brogdon is out for a couple of weeks. Injury, tank, whatever you want to call it. So that brings Jabari Walker a tiny bit closer. But as we've said, he needs, like, everybody out to have consistent fantasy value. And apparently, this still wasn't enough. They needed Jeremy Grant out of the way. DeAndre Ayton was sort of the last man standing at center. He had a big ball game. Portland is a take-it-day-by-day team right now. I'd love to be able to tell you, here's your drops and here's your ads, but you kind of need to just get the injury report 30 minutes before the ball game, and you make your move from there. All right, let's play the game we play every week and find out who didn't play Saturday or Sunday that Dan is forgetting to talk about. Utah, Minnesota, Milwaukee, and the Lakers. Four teams. Well, that's annoying. Uh, and not all of them even played on Friday. Lakers played on Friday. Uh, you're not venturing beyond the main guys. I know Rui Hachimura had 21 points in that one, but a lot of that's because the Pelicans didn't bother to defend anyone. So still D'Lo, still LeBron, still AD, still Reeves. I'm not super worried about Spencer Dinwiddie ruining any of those four guys, frankly. Uh, maybe he does, but... I got to I got to sort of see it to believe it before I do anything there. And I'm not picking up Dinwiddie even though I do think he has a decent role especially while the Lakers are down Vincent and Reddish who I guess is getting closer now. Uh as those guys come back then everybody rolls everybody's roles get a little bit lighter so maybe Dinwiddie has a narrow kind of streamer window here uh but I'm not picking him up. Milwaukee, they got most of their guys back. Uh, no Middleton still for this one. He'll miss probably a couple more ball games. Malik Beasley is the better stream there when Middleton is out. Uh, Jay Crowder is playing plenty of minutes, but, you know, his fantasy game kind of comes and goes a little bit. And then for Minnesota, there's really nothing on a game-to-game -game basis unless Jaden McDaniel sits out and then Nas Reed and uh, Slow-Mo get a little bit more stuff. Let's quickly talk about the week ahead. Um, there isn't really a whole lot that I can necessarily present to you guys to say, oh, this is like something you badly need to look at for it all to make sense. But the best thing that I can show you here is uh, just a quick snippet from our, uh, it's what we call our streaming grid over at Sports Ethos HQ that kind of lines up what all the team's schedules look like together. So let me throw that on the screen real fast. And there you can kind of see. There's the big empty chunk in the middle. Nobody plays between the 16th and the 21st. It's one day shorter this year, again, because uh, you've got the, the, a couple of makeup games happening. And, and so uh, a couple teams do go on that last Thursday. I think that's actually the same as usual. Uh, but again, what you're looking at here is how can I justify a, a roster move? So for one thing... You've got the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the, the Bucks, the Wolves, who we just talked about, uh, and the Jazz. Oh, that was another team that didn't go over the weekend. Utah, uh, sorry, I skipped talking about the Jazz because they haven't played in frickin' forever. 
Uh, Walker Kessler, John Collins, they got a huge lift with Kelly Olynyk getting traded. Keep an eye on Keontae George. Keep an eye on Chris Dunn. Um, and that's sort of as far as I need to go with Utah, I think. But So these are teams that play three games the first half of this All-Star two-weeker. And then you've got some teams that play three games the second half. And I think if you really want to break this thing down, the way to look at it is, number one, if you can get on a Warrior, streaming-level Warrior, you do it. Most of those guys are rostered right now. And you're not going to go beyond the guys we just talked about. Like, you're not going to go pick up a Moses Moody or something like that because who the hell knows if he's going to get six minutes on a night. So you probably don't have anybody you can pick up on the Warriors. They're probably rostered. If there is someone, you get them because they've got six games over these two weeks, and then you can just hold them the whole two weeks. It's beautiful. It's the ultimate long stream. It's a two-week long stream because you might get two more games, three more games in some of these other teams without having to do anything else. The goal in long streaming is to gain anywhere from one to two games with a roster move over the length of the stream, and the Warriors give you that opportunity. There aren't that many other teams that give you that opportunity. But if you looked at, let's say no one on the Warriors floats your boat, you could go Grizzlies, Bucks, Wolves, or Jazz the first half of this week, or this uh, period. Use, say, two moves on those guys. And then over the break, you can pivot to one of the other teams now that has three games on the second half. That's actually a much deeper list. Charlotte has three games the second half. Cleveland, Denver. Golden State still, as we mentioned, Houston, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Magic, I'm at 10 already, the Sixers, the Suns, the Spurs, the Wizards. 14 of the 30 teams have three games on the back half of this All-Star break. So you basically want to make sure that your streaming spots are for one of those 14 teams, which means you're going to have a lot of choices of what you could do there. But I think maybe the big focal point is if you have anyone on your team that's kind of stream level, look to make sure they don't have, you know, a two or a one that you could get off of. Oklahoma City, if you have anybody that's stream level, which I guess would be like a Lou Dort, get off of them. They only got one game the first half of this period. They are the only team that only has one game the first half of this period. Miami and Memphis are the two teams that have one game the second half of this period. Do not get on those clubs. You can use one roster move to get possibly two, maybe even three game bump, and that's how you got to use your moves. Be judicious. Do not use them all up early. Make sure you have some the second half of the week to get onto some of those three gamers, and that should take you through to the end. Whew. And that'll be that. 55 minutes of content. What do you think about them apples, huh? I was hoping to do it in 45. Not so good. Um, <laughs> I had someone in the chat room being like, Dan, your mic is off. And then he realized it was, uh, it was his YouTube page. Um, thank you guys, as always, for listening. I really do appreciate that. Uh, take some time here on your way out. Those of you that joined us partway, find me over on social media at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sportsethos.com is the website, but Ethos Fantasy BK is the place you can hang out uh, if you want your, your sweet news. Um, oh, we did get one piece of news from the Pelicans. Dyson Daniels tore his meniscus, so he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. That probably helps Jose Alvarado more than anything, but maybe not enough to get him over the hump. Uh, also, Jordan Goodwin signed a 10-day deal with the Grizzlies. He is not with them today, 
but he does potentially, it sounds like he'll join the team tomorrow. Uh, and Jordan Goodwin has great fantasy game. Great fantasy game. So if we find out that he's going to get a decent size role with the Grizz, he could be a really interesting stream. I don't think we need to do anything with him until we see what he's going to be doing tomorrow during their ball game. Right? They got a game tomorrow. Grizzlies or the Grizzlies uh, today, Wednesday, Thursday. Checking, checking. Yeah, today, Wednesday, Thursday. So that Wednesday game at Houston, if you see Jordan Goodwin lighting it up, and this is Roto, by the way, because remember, Memphis is a one-gamer next week, second half of All-Star segment. Uh, then maybe you pick him up for on the Roto side for that Milwaukee game, especially because Memphis is going to probably rest their last two veterans on a back-to-back. -back. Uh, but Jordan Goodwin, keep an eye on it. That's a, a keep an eye on spot. Okay, we're officially done Anything else you need to know, we'll do over on social. Again, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Join our Discord. The link is in the show description. I did last night's tweet storm in Discord, so that's the only place you were going to find it. Uh, and we will be back with you likely tomorrow. I don't think we're going to have time to do another show today. Hopefully, we can do a two for Tuesday, get you the morning show, some big-time recap stuff going on, big card tonight. Uh, and then maybe we'll get you some buy lows this week as well. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Have a lovely one, everybody. See you in a bit.